This week on the podcast, we have Christina Sequeira from AJ+. She comes on the podcast to talk about how to construct a social media video. I think people, when they go to try to make video for social media, they have a hard time kind of breaking away from certain constructs. And also, what the growth has been like for AJ+, after its launch, a little over a year ago. I think we just hit 2 billion views, actually, this week on all of our content. Our YouTube channel alone has 92 years of people's viewing time. Like, people have viewed our stuff for 92 years. <laughs> media on the Radio is a podcast that features conversations with media professionals. Everyone from creators of media to those who do the marketing and distribution. This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening. What did you study and what, what was your college experience like? I went to Union College, which is in Schenectady, New York. It's not particularly known for <laughs> its media background, but I studied political science. I grew up in the D.C. area, so knew I wanted to do something international and got involved with our school's TV station. So I did a lot of political work for my classes, but then was also always doing stuff with the camera, you know, on my own time. And I knew that that was something I wanted to pursue. I wanted to find a way to blend the two together, my interest in international relations and my interest in film and news. What I'd like to try and get into is the idea of how college was able to prepare students and especially how quickly the field changes. <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe the technology doesn't have to change so quickly, but even, you know, with social media and online, were they kind of hinting at that at all, how things were going to go? Well, Union wasn't. It's like, it's like the oldest school in New York. It's very traditional. So we actually just, you know, they didn't even have a media program, really. They started a film minor when I got there. So I didn't really get a lot of guidance from them. I think a lot of that was just sort of self-driven. Well, if this is something I'm interested in, I need to pursue it. And our quote-unquote studio was the former records room for the radio station. It was kind of like just hanging out with a few friends in like this tiny little closet with a bunch of cameras. <laughs> we would go out and shoot and edit. What were you editing on? Do you remember? Um, we were editing on Adobe back okay. then. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. We had the ability to broadcast to our TVs, but I found that, you know, even this was like back in 2009. So even then we were still making digital videos because I couldn't figure out how to use the technology to broadcast it to everybody's TV. So we would just put them out on YouTube, which is, you know, so it was basically like a little YouTube series that we were doing. Yeah, I, I did that. I did a comedy show um, for, this is a two, 2004, 2003. And, mm we we were airing on campus television but no one would ever watch that so we would <laughs> yeah. pu we would push it out to even kind of before slightly before youtube we were pushing out to a website and it was like you had your three videos your dial up video that you click on if that's your speed or your broadband <laughs> <laughs> and you had to make three different videos for three different um internet speeds that people clicked on oh my on. goodness <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, so then then you went to American University, correct? What yeah. Did, what did you study there? Yeah, so American definitely prepared me a lot more in terms of what the teachers could provide in this industry. So I studied international communication, and it's in the School of International Service. Um, so it had a very strong focus on sort of the theory of communication, like why it's important, you know, to use these different mediums, how people are influenced by news by government communication. It had that component to it. And then I also was able to take classes. It was kind of like a buffet. They're like, this is communication is such a broad topic. Mm -hmm. 
that you can take classes wherever you want in other programs. So I took backpack documentary film classes. And Oh, cool. Yeah, it was like how to be a one-man band. Like go out with just like just you and your backpack and film and shoot and edit and narrate a piece. And I took film production classes and public writing classes. So, you know, I got that balance of understanding sort of the depths of communication and why it's important for society and how it can influence society and then also how to communicate like concrete tools. I've talked to a lot of different people and there's so many different ways in which people break into the media field, you know, starting, starting off in law school or working in, um, as a teacher and then they somehow kind of break in. What was, uh, Mm -hmm. what was the chain of events that led you to, to Al Jazeera? We have a, a listserv at AU. And I got, you know, I responded to it. I sent my email in or my resume in, and I studied Al Jazeera. So I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, I know so much stats about this network. Like, this is, like, the coolest place to work ever. And then they called me, and I even forgot, and I sent my resume in because it was just such a long shot. But, yeah, they were like, hi, are you able to come in? I was like, oh, my God, yeah, like, whatever you want. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they were like, okay, it's just for, like, it's a... Uh, the Ritcon show is going off the air soon, so it's just for a month, and it's just for three days a week. And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, like, of course. And then the Ritcon show was going off air, and the stream was replacing it. And so I communicated with the team, and I was like, you guys, I really want to I wanna get on board with the stream, which is like their new digital show that with Ahmed Shahab Eldin, and it was just really creative and exciting. So, And then Al Jazeera kind of, you know, they have – this amazing team of people that was really exciting to work with. And they brought me on as an intern, but then I came on as a associate producer, which is great. Give some context in terms of what Al Jazeera is, and then maybe the evolution of, of I guess, the rebranding of AJ+. Sure. Al Jazeera is a, a large media network based out of Qatar. I like to think of Al Jazeera English, which is what I was working for before, as um, BBC and CNN journalists. We're kind of fed up with the like 24-hour news cycle of news and all the stuff. You know, there's mm-hmm. a certain quality that goes down when you have to produce so much news. And they were like, I'm going to go to Al Jazeera and have the sort of dream opportunity to get the report on what I want. Mm. So the quality of journalism is pretty amazing with Al Jazeera. And then I joined AJ Plus two years ago after doing some other projects with the State Department. And I mean, I think we knew that digital media is is emerging and that it's becoming more and more important and that the news industry needed to kind of get on board. So I think that was how AJ Plus started. It was an idea from the innovation team back in Doha. And they were like, we need to build this cool thing and be part of the future of news. So we're a channel. I mean, we're not really a channel because we don't broadcast the air, but we're like a a branch of the Al Jazeera network. It seems like... You know, that model, which has uh, has existed and compared to, you know, when when the newspapers kind of made their transition to the web and, and now it's kind of happening again with social media is that it's almost really difficult to sustain as a corporate for-profit entity. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. seems like um, the, the people that have the ability to really develop are sometimes the outlets that are supported by some sort of government entity. Can you talk all about that and what what that's like to work for some somebody that's supported through through funding as opposed to uh, subscriptions or or advertising? If you 
are there because you care about the journalism and you know that you're going to continue being funded. You can cover stories that are important, even if some audiences aren't going to necessarily watch it, which maybe sounds weird. But, you know, we know that U.S. audiences, they can only really, I guess, speak for, for the U.S. audience. But if it's not a story related to an issue Americans really care about, like if there's no money, like if the U.S. doesn't do a lot of business with that country or there aren't like huge immigrant communities from there, people just don't listen to it. So like CNN, if they wanted to do a story about a mudslide and certain country that it's just the U.S. doesn't really care about, they're not going to cover it. So we have the benefit of being able to not sort of be tied to the entertainment model. We know that this is an important story. People are dying. Things are happening. We need to tell it. So we get to. So we don't have to worry about like, oh, my God, they're going to click away. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an important story. And, you know, those who care about it are going to find it. And it's going to mean something to them. It's funny because it took me a little while and I, I've been following AJ Plus for a while on social media and, and the stories I really enjoy um, it as a, as a source of news. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize until maybe a year ago that it was Al Jazeera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, can you talk about that branding and, and, and the idea of, um, you know, it's funny because also recently... I've talked to a lot of people and maybe it's because of I live in Washington, D.C. and I work in media, but even a lot of friends of mine have really paid close attention to AJ Plus as a news source. Has that evolved? Has it gotten to be more popular? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've we definitely, just in the last like few months, have shot up. I think we just hit 2 billion views actually this week Wow! on all of our content. I think our YouTube channel alone has 92 years of people's viewing time like people have viewed our stuff for 92 years (laughs) it's crazy yeah we really just like went up and up and up we launched a year and a few months ago we launched in september over a year ago wow i did not realize it was that short of a time i thought it was a lot longer (laughs) yeah it's kind of crazy because i joined in the pre-launch team so i was here a year before we launched we had this amazing opportunity to pilot and pilot and we worked together we'd come into work every day it was a team of young talented journalists and storytellers and graphic designers and we got to work on our style and see what worked for us and play around with it and we had the sort of freedom which was great so when we finally launched I think when I launched I had like 300 videos that I personally had done or something crazy like that <laughs> already under my belt. That's I mean, almost really one a day. Like yeah. 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 I make one a day. So I was like, 300 is a bit of an exaggeration, but it was a lot. <laughs> so are you partly responsible for the videos that are edited and put onto social media, Facebook? Yeah. So I work on um, a team that makes the sort of shorter pieces. So if you ever see one that doesn't have a post, it's just sort of text up on screen. I make at least one of those every day. Wow. So that, yeah, I've, I've had this conversation with a couple of people on the podcast. I've talked to some people about the difference between a web video and a social media video. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, you know, you got to keep it short. There's certain ingredients, but I think it's really still new. It's a new concept. And the idea mm-hmm. is like, I don't know what it is, but I know when I see it. Can you mm-hmm. describe the difference between a web video versus a social media video? Mm, yeah. I think we, you know, the media that we often consume or we've been consuming for so long is, you know, 
slightly, seems like more on TV. So I think people, when they go to try to make movies or video for social media, they have a hard time kind of breaking away from certain constructs. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, or, you know, there's a tendency to put way too much text on screen. That's problematic. Or, you know, I think also internet users, we're used to seeing certain types of videos that we see, like cat videos, like our space of YouTube and Facebook videos are very informal. So I think trying to sort of capture that quality that makes internet videos so exciting while still being informative and easy to watch. Sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it's interesting because I know the New York Times, I think a year ago, had this leaked thing where they did some internal research and realized that we can't be pushing the website anymore. We have to be dive bombing social media with our with our news stories and we have to kind of abandon the, the model of like an online magazine type mm-hmm. or newspaper. Yeah, the sort of like you build it and people come to you versus you coming to the people. Which right. I think working through social media allows you to do that. And I think that that's interesting in terms of even one of my favorite shows was uh, Key and Peele, which, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that didn't even know that existed as a television show. It was all on YouTube, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot yeah. of channels are dealing with this of like how much to release on YouTube because that's where actually the majority of people watch it versus how you maintain a you know, a consistent show that's going to have ad revenue and everything else. Um, yeah. Wh- where do you see all this going? Because I think that from my point of view, I think that you guys are kind of pioneered that uh, a certain amount of uh, the video content really reaching audiences and in between meetings, people can watch a video and catch up on a news story. Do you think that's going to be copied? And once it gets copied too many times, you know, where is it going from here? Do you have any <laughs> concept of that? Yeah. Um, I think there's already starting to see a lot of different networks are doing digital video stuff. I think CNN has this next big story or this big story, something like that. And Business Insider does videos. Every once in a while, I'll see videos from different news networks. and Either they've sort of launched a full channel or they're sort of dipping their toe into this. And BBC has BBC Trending. They've been doing those videos mm-hmm. for a while, actually. So definitely, I think more and more people are catching on board to this which is exciting but you know AJ Plus gotta stay on their toes (laughs) (laughs) that's right keep innovating you have a Facebook presence that's a personal Facebook page but you also are putting out news stories on your Facebook and Twitter how do you manage the kind of individual branding that you have as an individual as and as a journalist and you're kind of a a public figure in a sense but you also maintain a, a personal persona as well what What is that like? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, you kind of go through a little bit of an identity crisis where you're like, my online presence is a gallery that I've curated of myself for people to view. And I have my close friends and they see me the way I've always kind of seen myself. But since I've started putting my videos out more, I feel like I've gotten a lot more views on these things. So I'm like, okay, like now I have to sort of curate this a little differently for a broader public audience. I really, really leverage Facebook's privacy settings. You know, when you share mm. a video, you mm-hmm. can say like how many people or which people you want to see it. I think that's I think that's good advice. Yeah, I was one of the, I was the first year to get Facebook in high school, so I have like way back in my Facebook profile, I have photos of me from like prom and like 
<laughs> reading poems at like our school poetry night. I'm like, nobody needs to see that. <laughs> Except my friends I went to high school with. So I have like privacy settings for like all different groups of people in my life. So if my name is ever mentioned on Facebook through AJ Plus, I always end up getting a lot of friend requests. Mm. And I think you can either, you can accept some of these friend requests, but put them on restricted. So it's basically, they can only see what you make public. Mm. So they can be friends with you, but not actually, like they're not going to see any, you know, no photos tagged of me, like no, nothing behind the curtain, basically of my public profile. Right, um, but they right. can still say that they're, you know, it'll still show up as friends. I think you can also decline a friend request and they can follow you so they can still see, you know, I share a few public things and then all my videos I keep public so that way people can see that. But that's been really important. <laughs> like, you got to keep everything sort of contained. I think that's something that people struggle with because everyone is pushed to create their own individual brand within their company, even if they're doing business or doing finance and how much, how many baby pictures do you show to your clients and how many this yeah. and that. And it's a real balance. Yeah. I have three different classifications for how much people can see in my profile. So I think it's important. I was talking to a friend of mine and his wife does this photo blog and okay. she's a photographer and she takes pictures of, the, of her kids and, naturally for whatever reason people are just attracted to her tumblr and every time she started a new blog she got thousands of of followers within the first month or so and what i'm getting at is the idea of social media being forced and someone like that you could really tell that whatever their content is is striking a chord or whoever they are is striking mm -hmm. a chord mm -hmm. and that there's certain people that are out there on social media that that are authentic or or at least seem authentic and then there's people that are kind of forced oh, i gotta do this tw twitter thing i gotta tweet today twice a day or mm -hmm. something like that what would you say to to people that are trying to build a presence on social media and and how to how to do it that's a good question i i don't tweet as much as i should because i'm always really weary of I know, I have, my colleagues tweet amazing stuff all the time and they'll tweet even them out to dinner with some friends and they'll get like 15 likes and retweets. I'm like, really? <laughs> I tell you, random people like to see these things. It's amazing. But I feel like you just have to treat it like you have some, not, not like total strangers, but like mild acquaintances who just happen to be able to peer into your life. So, you know, if you're going to share something, I always think it's, you know, if I'm sharing something public, I want it to be something that my own personal friends will actually care about, which I think is a good metric of whether or not it's interesting. And also, like, I don't like to reveal too much about my life because I'm a little bit maybe more private, but try to find things that are engaging and interesting that random people who don't really know too much about me can sort of get a sense of who I am without revealing too much. Powerful. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, I never really share photos of food or of like <laughs> me out eating with friends or little things like that. Uh -huh. But I had some friends over. My friend is a violinist and she held a little concert at my house. Where I like shared a photo of that. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Not like, you know, this is a little bit about me, my personality, my friends, but nothing too, too intimate. I'd like to know about the AJ Plus newsroom a little bit and how, you know, from conception to putting out to uh, social media or whatever, how, how you develop stories and mm -hmm. I feel like there's a certain amount of anxiety that people feel about even just, oh, I got to tweet. I got to come up with a story. And you want to be first to a story or react to a story that's happening that everyone's talking about. Is there anxiety? And, and how do you 
how do you craft stories or how do you make decisions on what stories go? Yeah, that is a good question. I don't want to give up, you know, too much of our special sauce. Sure, no, no, I understand. <laughs> what makes AJ Plus the magical <laughs> news machine that it is? But I think it helps that our newsroom is pretty young, so um, a lot of us know what types of stories we would want to watch and what stories. Like a good barometer for me and for everybody else, like, would you actually share this? Like, am I willing to take up Facebook space and my friend's seeds with this story mm. if I'm, I'm like, well, maybe not. And then there's another challenge, too, where there's some stories that are really important that, you know, like maybe I wouldn't share, but I know that this is an important story. So we'll cover it, but we have to try and find a way to make it relevant to people or, you know, really drive home the sort of like emotional elements of a piece so that people can connect to it and then, and then I'll share it. Were you asking about like our, our workflow kind of? Or? Well, I'm curious <laughs> about if you do any type of more in-depth reporting or, or if there's a space for longer form stories, like more traditional investigative stories or anything else. Yeah. So we, the ones that I share mostly are the ones that me and, and my immediate team probably make. So you might not see our, I mean, I'm sure if you watch other AJ Plus stuff, you might see it, or more in-depth stuff. We have a documentary team, and they get to spend a much longer time uh, researching their pieces. And then we have other little groups of teams that get much more time to research and get creative and do much more in-depth coverage. Mine is a little bit more of a what's important today, like mm -hmm. what do you need to know about today's news. I was talking to a friend of mine who works at the Associated Press, and he was saying that you know, even though they're feeding a lot of news outlets, there's still need for these longer form mm -hmm. pieces and kind of grassroots stories almost that you're building that no one else is talking about so that you can you can also be the first to, to break, still like a mm -hmm. traditional news outlet, break that story that no one else is talking about. Well, we do rely a lot on social media for both seeing what's out there and seeing what's trending and what people are talking about. And then also... We have a pretty wide audience, and we have viewers all over the world, so people will share stories and ideas with us, and that's been pretty helpful, too, in terms of you know being able to like be tipped off to an idea or a story and then getting to go do a little bit of our own digging into it. Bring it back to the college student, because that's kind of the, the main audience, hopefully, is, sure. is people that are in college now, seniors, juniors in college. Yeah. What advice would you give them? for the next five years kind of coming into journalism or even just uh, marketing distribution of media? This is something that I did and I feel like it's been really helpful and I gave this idea to my sister who's also trying to emerge in this market. You need to be creating content constantly, creative in the sense that you are constantly creating stuff. So actually how I got my job with AJ Plus was part of my final project in grad school was I made my own little, like my own web series. And then after doing that, I got contacted by somebody in Al Jazeera who I worked with before. And they're like, oh, this is a cool web series, you know, like good work. We're launching AJ Plus soon. Do you want to come out and join? So, I mean, that was like, huge. I think, I don't know if that contact would have been made if I wasn't constantly working on this other little video project. But I think if practicing editing videos, trying to just perfect your own tone and in your work and constantly making content that you can put up online and that can be searchable so people see that you have some 
interest in the field and initiative, and it's also just good to bring into any job office. I think if you are applying somewhere and you're like, oh, I can edit, and I have some understanding of social media videos, I think that can go a really long way. You don't have to necessarily make your own blog, but, you know, something, something cool. I see ads sometimes for jobs where it's like they want people to be able to shoot and edit video, be mm-hmm. a writer, a graphic designer. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> what... <laughs> What would you say? I mean, obviously, obviously, those people probably aren't getting that person that they're looking for. Uh, maybe they're getting two of the five things. Mm-hmm. But what skills are important for getting into to the news media now? I think people are looking for more Renaissance employees. And the way that kids are being taught in school, I think that they can get that. I mean, I came into the job and I was like, I can shoot, I can edit, I have like, I can work my way around Photoshop and I've done some basic script writing. So I was like, I, and, you know, research too. So I think it's, you know, as well-versed as you can be in those different fields. I mean, I know that I did a lot of Linda tutorials on my own just Mm -hmm. to sort of brush up. And once you get into the job, you're not necessarily going to be doing all those things. I think sometimes companies just kind of have a wish list, Mm -hmm. but What's really important is knowing at least the basics of those skills. You know, I mean, I don't ever really do graphic design, but because I at least know some basic elements of the craft, if I'm working with a graphic designer, I'm more in tune with what things are important to them, and it makes our working relationship a lot easier. So even if you, you know, if you're worried that maybe you don't have, like, enough Photoshop or graphic design skills, but that's a requirement, you know, as long as you have some basic element, I think in an interview, you could be like, you know, I know enough to be able to communicate these needs and interests with other team members, which I think is important, even if you aren't strong enough to, you know, do a whole graphic piece on your own. It seems like you you got your hands full with one video per day. (laughs) Can you talk (laughs) at all about what maybe a goal you have at AJ Plus that you know, is, is there something that you want to try and accomplish in the next so couple years? Yeah, I would like to get out into the field to go shoot. We have, um, you know, not a lot of or my, a lot of my colleagues get to go out and shoot. The option is open to me. You know, they're like encouraging <laughs> to go. But uh, at the moment, I'm really happy doing my sort of creative short videos. But I feel like after a while, I'm gonna be hungry for some different exciting stuff. And I've been toying around with a few different ideas. I can't I cannot speak about them. Sure, no problem. <laughs> Too loud. But one of the nice things with our newsroom is that it's a very encouraging and open creative space. So you can always ask for time to experiment with something, even if they don't put it on air. It'll like give you an afternoon to toy around with some ideas, which is amazing. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting with me. This has been great. Of course. And good luck with uh, with the future of of media. <laughs> the show is recorded at Arlington Independent Media. Follow me on Facebook.com backslash Media on the Radio or join the conversation on Twitter at Media on Radio. Thanks to Luke Gallagher for editing help for this episode and hopefully many more. Tune in next week. We'll have Andrew Lindbergh on to talk about producing radio news. I happened to walk in as the news was breaking on Sandy Hook. It was just go, go, go for like eight hours straight. About five or six o'clock, it finally hit me on what had happened. 